What is up, party people? Happy Mother's Day, everyone. That was like a little bit more of like a traditional YouTube uh, intro where the YouTubers are like, oh, hey, what's up, everybody? It's like, oh, we care about you so much. Even though we're YouTubers, we don't actually care at all. We just need your views so that we can continue to make money on YouTube. And uh, I'm not going to say that's not what we're doing here, but we're trying to be YouTubers, so that kind of is what we're doing here in yeah, the Yeah, but this started because we actually enjoyed our conversations exactly. so much that we're like let's put them on the internet this isn't exactly. because we're like we're failing in all facets of life and we just need money yes and dom let's never like get to that point too, i you agree know what I, mean? I agree like hey, uh, cool. chris i feel like if we ever are <laughs> at that point that i feel like that's how we know like yeah this is what we need to call it quits but we haven't reached there yet if anything we're still on the rise i like to think that we just had a very very successful first major watch along a few hiccups when we started but overall chris i don't know if you saw but when you get a chance buddy check the view count on that thing because Oh man, I, I haven't I'm, checked I'm it in a few days. I'm, I'm just still in shock from it I'm all. I'm excited, I mean, dude. It's you know, for me, it was a lot with like the the managing the stream and sort of booking everyone. So I was just a little overwhelmed. But like more and more as time goes on, like everyone who joined us in the chat, the fact that we have like people, like we have people, Dom. Yeah. We not have not a lot, but we, we have, have fans. Your dream people. has been achieved. We have fans. But more than that, just the fact <laughs> so of all the residual there, energy that you have whenever you just call me in the middle of the day, you're like, Don, this is awesome. I have this cool new idea. We end up talking for like a half an hour long. That is the excitement that I'm feeling right now, just based off of that watch along. And we're here to continue yeah. that excitement, hopefully and again today, to give this to you, the people. Because of course, who are we? You guys should know at this point. We're the talking TV podcast. This is our Chris, I think we're in like we're almost like the 30s in terms of how many episodes. We, we, we are out. in the 30s. I don't know the exact number. It's like yeah, I think it's, it's like almost 30s. mid 30s or something like that. Is it almost mid? Yeah, I think I mean, so. Dude, I think it's like 34, man. 35, something like that. I, I never know it unless I have like the actual episode view counter in front of me. But yeah, yeah. it's and so I mean, it, we've it, been it, a show it, for seven months now. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive pretty cool. to say the least how many so, episodes we put out. And been so on YouTube for a month. We've been a show for seven months. We yeah. just did a solo watch along, and uh, it was. Things are going good. We I got, would say, we got right, many Tom? more things coming along. Like I said, we've we made still, the so. best out of our quarantine situation, to say the least. True. But so, Chris, based on the episode that we are reviewing today, it is similar to our last week's episode. It is another TV season finale. It's not a series mm -hmm. finale this time, but it's another season finale. And with this one, our relationship with this show, I would say, has kind of been. A little bit mixed, I would say. I think I've had some of my own personal thoughts on it. You've had some of your own personal thoughts on it. Just within this season of this show alone, I feel like we've had some of our own unique thoughts that have changed over time. And so with that being said, I know the reason for why this came about is because we were listening to some older episodes that we were posting on the channel. We figured we're like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. been a while since we've had our guy on, you know, like, cause we, we recorded a couple of episodes. Like, I think it was like four or five episodes with this guy between the fall and the early winter of this year. And then obviously the Corona set in and we were worried and we're like, Oh no, are we ever going to see this guy again? Is he even alive right now? But needless to say, <laughs> all of our worries were alleviated because Chris, we got him back, dude. We got, we got him, him back. back, man. Unfortunately, we can't play Risk after we record an episode today as is, as is tradition. But you know, Dom, oh, who wait, is virtual with risk a thing? You know what? It, it is. is. You've told we me about set you that playing up. virtual risk. We just have to get on comms so we can get Kudo getting pissed off like he normally does. Yeah, seriously. Does. And, and Kudo <laughs> pissing me off more and more. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Dom, Never I mean. shutting who, up. Who are we speaking with and what are we talking the about today? The one, the only. Welcome back, Mr. Patrick W. Huber. Hey, what's going on, guys? Dude, glad to have you back, man. It's been too long. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much really uh, this whole COVID thing happened and uh, my classes that I teach became online classes and i've been basically uh helping out my students as much as possible and here i am school's pretty much over 
only thing I have to do is submit the grades at this point. And, uh, you know, now I can focus on uh, talking about TV and movies with you guys. Sounds like you're having the time of your life right now, dude. And uh, what's it called? So, obviously, since, you know, we, we've talked about this a couple times in the podcast, on the show, whatever we've had you on. Pat, you were a teacher. You were a former teacher of both mine and Chris's. I never actually had you for a class, but we had, like, a couple of interactions. And, obviously, I would think our relationship grew over time as we as we both left Duchess and moved on to other things. And so, you know, you being a teacher, you've been able to enlighten us on certain other things that we may have been not as fully well aware of whenever we watch certain movies and TV. <clears throat> and I'm wondering if you can do kind of the a similar thing with us with this topic of discussion because without spoiling any of our thoughts before we get actually dive in and start talking about this, I know for a fact that you have had some... Oh, I'm not going to say radically, but some different thoughts than Chris and I have on the subject that we're about to talk about today. Well, um, should I reveal the subject? I don't, I don't know if you... Uh, you said it. You said it. Yeah, you? man. Go for yeah, it. Okay, do it, so, dude. This is more of a casual episode. So do you it. wanted to uh, talk about Westworld. Um, pretty much yes. this was, uh, in the making, I think Christian way back before the whole, uh, quarantine thing mentioned like, Hey, we're going to watch Westworld. We're going to do a podcast on it. Um, and he's like, do you have HBO? And I was like, no, I- I'm not paying for that. Um, but I said, uh, for the most part, like, Hey, if you want to do an episode and invite me on, I'll binge watch this, um, pretty much, you know, You'd- right there. Uh, that that is word for yeah, word, too. and I'm glad it was, uh, <laughs> like, um, you know, it's eight episodes for the season because it made it very yeah. easy to binge watch uh, over the course of one weekend. Um, so Westworld is a very interesting show. Um, this is the third season, obviously. And um, I think mixed feelings over the whole show is, is a, a good thing to say because uh, season yeah. one was very methodical, very... Uh, keeping the audience guessing and building this world and, you know, great actors and, um, you know, and you had Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris and, um, you know, it really just kind of built this uh, theme park world um, and kind of with the time jump and everything kept us guessing to the very end. Um, and then we segue into sort of season two um, where we're back in the park, still dealing with the, uh, the robots and, um, them getting intelligence and uh, quite frankly uh, season two was long for me uh, 10 episodes and uh, the episode with uh, the man in black and his father and all that stuff was like the killer episode that season uh, there's a couple other good moments but uh, for the most part season two ended very lackluster for me and so I was like what's going to happen in season three like how do you save the show um, and personally, uh, after watching all of season three in one weekend, uh, I think they saved the show. I, I think they basically said, we got to get out of this park. We got to, uh, express new sci-fi, uh, themes that we haven't done before in the show and, uh, really just elevate the show to something completely, uh, different, but still within the realm of what we've created before. Um, well, see, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's actually something that Chris and I talked about on the premiere episode is that from the minute that we watched like, the first episode, we were we Chris and I talked about this. And we were like, OK, yeah, the, the show was completely radically changed, like whether it's a retcon, whatever. Like we are clearly in for a much, much different show now that we got with the first two seasons where you were right. Where the first two se- the first season is very methodical, very it heavily dread 
dredged in mystery, like keeping you guessing on your toes, right? And that's kind of like what creates some of the intrigue of the world, right? And then season two, I feel like kind of tried to repeat that. But if anything, it was almost like it was kind of like creating mysteries just for the sake of of being mis mysterious, you know? And it didn't really actually add anything new. And you're right, I feel like season, a lot of the, um, of season two created a lot of flack that ultimately contributed in the radicalization of this past season. But I have to say that just for me personally, I understand them needing to, like, revise this show in order to, like, create something that gets more views, right? But to me, at least, this was a situation of, okay, for them dumbing down everything that I that we love that that to me was interesting about the first two seasons to me it was a big sacrifice when it came to the storytelling department and it actually kind of really really diminished something that I had come to really really enjoy that I actually thought was like okay this is something new that like when that first season came out I was like okay the whole focus that HBO was trying to go for was this is something that will replace Game of Thrones and after that first season, I was like, okay, obviously it's not a perfect first season, but this is something that like could potentially step up and replace Game of Thrones. And needless to say, obviously just with how the radicalization of TV, just like with how everything's become broken down and how there is kind of like there is no more like just that one must watch show, you know, I feel like they kind of took that into account as well. And just were like, okay, what do we do in order to kind of make sure that people are still watching this show? And to me, at least, the steps that they took in order to do that kind of diminished everything that I was that I enjoyed about the show in the first place. But Chris, kind of, what, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Like, obviously, you know, I we, we had some specific thoughts with that first episode of Westworld. And we were both, I think, have, having some very different conversations after that last episode aired this past Sunday. So what are your kind of whole thoughts on, on this whole take of this experiment, let's call it, of Westworld? Yeah, no, um, I appreciate you uh, sending it my way, Dom. But real quick, I got to ask, is this just, uh, is this your speculation that they, like, put, like, th it out there to the world? Like, hey, this is our, like, Game of Thrones, like, runner-up. Like, this is what you're going to be on our platform for after Game of Thrones. Is that you just speculating that? Or is that something you had read from interviews or, or things like that? Because I know it you was were, It was a little bit of lot, both so. because the whole thing was is that when Westworld was up for production, right? Westworld was originally, it's funny because every single premiere season of Westworld has kind of been like waylaid by production problems right the, the first season was originally supposed to come out in 2015 right and then that got pushed back to 2016 I think it was originally supposed to debut in spring and then they pushed it back right and, and around that time that was when Game of Thrones sixth season was on the air right and that was you know that you had a bunch of major events you had the Hound returning that was Bran returning you had Battle of the Bastards like six seasons six season was like a pretty like momentous event in terms of just Game of Thrones history and in television history like, that was kind of like the show stating oh Game of Thrones actually does have a future beyond the books before we were unfortunately learned the truth of that with the last two seasons. But the whole thing, right, is that it was before kind of like the breakdown of the homogenization of like the streaming services and everything of like, okay, like there is no like war one show that anybody can focus on because just attention spans are being broken down just by like the internet and the influx of streaming services. So at that time, I know for a fact that HBO, like that, the, the fact of West HBO was looking for their next Game of Thrones. I know was a phrase that was circulating around the media sphere a lot. Whether it was an okay. actual official statement from HBO or whether it was just like the news continuing mm -hmm. to purport stuff like they always do, I don't know. But that is what I was is that is what I heard. And and yeah, since Westworld sense. seemed to be like their big drama that they were like you know they're putting all their money behind. You know they've got a stacked visual effects budget. They've got a huge ensemble cast. You know like it, it just yeah. all the pieces expensive seem to ensemble line up. Cast, Very assume. expensive too. Like this like Pat mentioned, this was not at all. A a cast that you know was lesser known characterized you know you got yeah. acting legends like Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris you know Jeffrey Wright Evan Rachel Wood James Marsden who at that point had been a part of I want to say like 
two separate gigantic superhero franchises at that point, you know, and then of course amongst a menagerie of other lesser known character actors, you know, even a couple of lost actors, you know, Rodrigo Santoro, um, yeah, yeah, Paolo yeah. from Lost himself is the famous Hector those are, those are just like the bad robot guys, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they're, they've been in multiple bad robot productions and you know, J you know, everyone has their guys in Hollywood, you know, like Damon Lindelof, that's one of JJ's guys on the writing side, you know, he's got his guys on the acting side. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad you cleared that up, Dom. That makes sense. I mean, obviously I think it doesn't take a business major or anyone to realize you need a Game of Thrones follow-up type show, and I could see them sort of investing in this basket more so than others. Yeah, um, one of the things I want to jump in the... and, and bring to uh, the conversation is um, Dom was saying that this is sort of a, a big-budget TV show, and to me, it, it really needs that budget. And, you know, for the most part, uh, they could have, you know, gave it more money and, and we could have gotten even better effects or whatnot. Uh, but for the most part, I think they did a great job in terms of giving us high-end television content that really felt like it was uh, reaching into the realm of movie of the week. Like, each episode really felt like it was an emotional arc. Um, they were revealing story elements and giving us information exactly like any TV show would. But for the most part, I think they upped the action uh, for Westworld Season 3. Um, you know... It's very subtle, the first two seasons. It's very, like Dom's saying, like drama, and there's, um, you know, the cowboys and Indians and all this kind of fighting that's going on. Like, we get the samurais in season two. Um, but in terms of the action and the violence and, and this sort of transition into a brand new show, we now are getting basically um, what all those Terminator movies should have been right here on television. Um, you know, okay. so it's so, like we're getting sci-fi that we've seen in the theater. Now we're getting it right in the home on television. Um, and, you know, that's just not that's one element of sci-fi that's explored here is, you know, sentient killer robots fighting in the streets of, um, you know, Los Angeles. So, you know, we've seen that we we know how that kind of plays out. But now we're seeing, you know, how that's uh works into this world where, you know, um, basically you had the theme park, which was, you know, a whole vehicle for collecting data on rich people. And uh, the company that created the uh, theme park was basically using that data to, uh, you know, make more money off of these people. Um, and then, you know, this season three opens it up that there is actually one central data company in the world uh, that needs whatever the uh, hail took from the theme park, that extra piece of data. And with that data, mm -hmm. uh, this company will 100% control the world, um, you know, and everybody in it, because it will be able to use that data to essentially, um, you know, manipulate the, the, everyone's lives to fit into a perfect uh, mold whether or not it's a utopia. Yeah, so, you know, taking it back to sort of like, and I, I, I'm glad you opened that box up because that's a great way for me to sort of get back to like Dom's question to me. Like, you know, what is my like, you know, before we really dive in and dissect this, what is my overarching feelings of this show? So I'll kind of go through the motions that you guys went through. Season one, I was on board. I remember, you know, watching that multiple times. I was, this is a really cool blend of different styles. And the one thing that impressed me the most was like, 
the way that the actors just went from these super emotive qualities when they're back in like the laboratory and they're being worked on and being sort of, you know, recommissioned, tweaked, fixed if they got, you know, beat up, bloodied, damaged in between like visitations at the park. I really loved that they would like turn on and they'd be freaking out and crying, um, specifically Dolores. You know, I remember one scene and then Bernard's like, all right, Dolores, power down. Then she instantly goes blank. And, and every actor seemed to have that depth, that amazing grasp on like, playing an android but then also playing someone that was so real that you like you're confused even though you clearly see them being told to power down and yeah season two was definitely more of the same i'm always a sucker for like the uh the americanized samurai stuff so i didn't hate it as much but i did think the storyline kind of dragged and i didn't find may I, I haven't found mave's arc interesting the entire time and and season two introduced a lot of storylines and and i'm going to use the word uh, you know, it dragged a lot of storylines that from season one, I didn't find that interesting through the mud of season two to season three. And then season three to me, I actually enjoyed the tonal shift as far as like getting more action, getting more bang for your buck, like less filler in between the episodes. I feel like we really got to know, like, especially Ed Harris's character. I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff there with William, but all the flash, all the production value, you know, it was inherent that, like, they, they pulled out all the stops on this season if they hadn't already been doing that on the first two, which I think from a filmmaking standpoint, from a production standpoint, they were. I just think, like, these storylines are just so uninteresting that I just... I don't care about how cool Los Angeles looks in the year 2058. I don't care about, you know, Aaron Paul being this guy who like has had the switch flipped on him like four times throughout the season. You know, I just because it wasn't interesting to me, like everything they did felt like this is the part of Terminator they didn't show in those movies because they knew it wouldn't really make that much of an impact and also might be kind of boring, you know? Because and that's why I'm really glad you brought absolutely. up Terminator. And I'm actually brought, glad that you brought that up because the whole problem, because again, everything that you said is like 100% right because the whole problem that I found is that without, without the, the whole thing to me of what made the first two seasons compelling is that obviously there's a lot of repetitiveness that's involved, especially when you come up with like obviously the themes of like just how they're kind of getting inside the robot psyche. So the whole point, right, the way that I kind of pitched that first season of Westworld to everyone when I was trying to describe it, somebody asked, well, what is Westworld? What is this show about? And I'd be like, it's Jurassic Park meets Blade Runner meets Terminator. And I feel like that was like the perfect way to describe that to somebody who like wants to get into this. It's like, yes, it's not a show that's going to have a lot of bang and flash. When there is action, there is action. But it's a show that is very methodical, very much about kind of like exploring the interior of the human psyche. And to me, it's exploring what it is that makes really great sci-fi, which is a lot of stuff that I feel like Alex Gar Garland was tapping into with some of his previous movies. And oh, what was it called? Obviously, you know, again, the thing that Blade Runner did so well with the exploration of human emotions and attributing them to non-human beings in order to kind of explore our own fallacies and flaws as a species. And that's something that I really liked about the first two seasons, even with season two again, where season two's problem I felt like was that it kind of was trying to explore too many elements while also like kind of demeaning from its own story. You know, it almost kind of felt like a, a stuff that like to me a bad season of a Ryan Murphy TV show will do, which is that it sets up a lot of interesting ideas and concepts, but that doesn't actually explore them and kind of just gets into like some other like side plots that don't really have anything to do with the actual main plot. And with this season, you could feel... The, the thought process going through their head, which is like, okay, we got to get this back on track. You know, we have our main mission and we have our side characters and somehow we have to have them all tie up together neatly at the end. And Westworld, for the most part, season one, I thought did that really well. Season two was a little bit shaky and a little bit confused, but that was only because of how it was executed in the beginning. But for the most part, I thought it did that pretty well, especially with the promise of, okay, the promise that I thought we were going to get at the end of season one is now finally happening in season two. But season three, it's like, 
man, you could really tell. Like, I don't know if it, if it was just a situation where they just were had too many storylines that they just couldn't figure out how to fit into these eight episodes, or it was just a matter of they really just couldn't come up with anything new to kind of back up the ideas that they were presenting, which, again, like Pat was saying, are some interesting ideas. The idea of kind of taking... Um, how the, the the Delos company was treating the host and kind of using them as kind of like a da- a mine for people's data for the rich guests that would come in and experience the park and now kind of flipping that on its head where now you have people doing that to other people and it's kind of inverse because now Dolores, who you previously thought was going to be a bad guy and was only going to go through and like kind of wipe out humanity is now actually kind of trying to do the opposite where now she's trying to take down this other big giant corporate tycoon played by Vincent Cassell who has created this system that basically collects all of people people's data, similar to what the Delos company was doing with the robots in the park, like, those are all interesting ideas, but it feels like stuff that should be spread out, again, similar to the last couple seasons of Game of Thrones, across, like, three, four, five seasons, and not just clustered into eight episodes. On top of that, you add the Aaron Paul character, who, again, you can tell that he's kind of, like, supposed to be the new voyeur, he's kind of, like, supposed to take Dolores' place as, like, kind of the new leader of this human uprising, but with how they actually characterize him and for the journey that they actually have him go on throughout this season... I'm almost left wondering. It's like, what was the point of him even being introduced? You know, because with, with where yeah. we're left off with him versus where we start with yeah. him, like, is there <laughs> any change that I'm seeing? So dumb. Uh, you hit on a lot of things, and so I'm gonna try to uh, try to figure it out in my own mind here. So, season three, <laughs> for the most part, I think you're right. Dolores is this bad guy in season two, uh, going around. She's the one killing all the humans and sort of creating the chaos and all this stuff. And you start season three, and it's like, okay, this killer robot that's methodical and, you know, has this vicious plan to really uh, hopefully have her species of robots uh, sort of multiply and spread and all that type of stuff. That's a, a good start for this season. And, you know, her meeting Aaron Paul's Caleb um, and sort of, you know, deciding to uh, bring him on a journey, it, it really is his journey. But I think what you you hit the nail on the head here is he's just really uh, uh, becomes part of the cast, and yeah. he's a passive yeah. ca- he's a passive protagonist. And, and is the this problem. season was all about him being the main character and him leading up to the choices that he was going to make at the end of the season. But he's just a recurring character, and it just you know oh hey you know Dolores uh, version one, ver- Dolores version two. Then we're going to see Hale, and then we're going to see. Um, you know, we're going to go to Maeve and uh, Ciroc and all this stuff. And then uh, Aaron Paul is just sort of like on his phone, like, hey, do you want to rob people for a job? Um, and, you know, it's 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 cool stuff. Like the world building is amazing in this season. But for something that was so, you know, uh, narrow and targeted, and I thought that was great for the show, um, they really just took the protagonist of that story and, and you know, sort of, you know, played Yahtzee with him and just threw him in the mix. Um, Pretty much, like the, like the way the way that I'm seeing Aaron Paul's he's going, it literally feels like oh Aaron Paul gets strung along by Dolores. Oh, he has a revelation. Oh, he gets strung along by Dolores. He's kind of just following Dolores. And, oh, it's almost it's kind of a similar problem that I had with how they treated the main character, the Jack Quaid character in The Boys, where you have these world shattering revelations happen to him, but then he just kind of takes them in stride and just continues to go along with him. And it's like, 
Okay, so are these decisions that are happening to him actually supposed to have an impact on him or not? Because you're telling me that these are supposed to have an impact on them, but then why am I not seeing any actual change or growth happen? Like, I feel like this guy should be like, have like the world weighing on his shoulders yeah. right now, where it's like, oh my God, these androids are like destroying everything and exposing everything that I thought was real in my life. But he's kind of just taking it in stride, so, you know? Uh, you know, for me, like I said, I binge watched this show. So I started Friday night. I got through uh, episode seven on Saturday night, and then I watched the finale on Sunday. And so, you know, I gave myself a whole day break from binging the season so that I can, like, prepare myself for the finale. And I thought episode seven left this in a great spot. You know, uh, the who, you know, Evan Rachel Wood, who we know as uh, the main Dolores, is now dead. Uh, Maeve is now dead. Like they've been EMP'd, you know, all the electronics have been destroyed, which to me, I assume that those pearls that were in those bodies were gone. Um, but then episode eight starts and Aaron Paul just goes into a storage locker, uploads the pearl and Dolores is back. And it's like, yeah. well, I thought this was the moment where Aaron Paul's character, Caleb would have to figure things out for himself. Like she's gone. Yep. And now You're he right. should figure out how to confront this corporation, and that should have left to his choice. And exactly, as soon as that that should have been, yeah, as soon as he reveals, it been like, uh, you know, revives Dolores, it's like well, boom. Uh, we just went back to we just skipped episode seven. Yeah. The thing about that no to me, to yeah, yeah, the thing about that to me, I'm totally with you, Pat. Like. Aaron Paul's character never had consequences. And even when he, like, you know, chose to, like, you know, end humanity or whatever, it was just sort of like, but, like, why would you ever make that? I, I didn't believe anything he truly did in the entirety of his arc. And the one moment, like you just said, where I could have believed him doing something in season seven was he's finally out of the guise of Dolores. He's been awoken. He sees the world for it, for what it truly is. That that scene that I actually thought was really cool, back to your point of the world building, when they're all on their phones and they're fighting in the subway carts and everyone's freaking out because, like, I think that that was, a little, that was believable. But it's unfortunate as, like, the stuff to me that was believable was more of like the, the world building, the stuff that you sort of paint in the background, not the things that were up front, you know, like the things were up close and personal with the characters and the things they were going through. Like pretty much every decision Aaron Paul made, the writers could have given value to. But then, like you said, they kind of stripped everything away from him in that finale. And like, sure, he'll be in the show next season. But like, do we even need a next season? We could save that for later. But I'm just mad yeah. about that in general, aside from just all of this nonsense. So, Dom, I guess since we're kind of like on the discussion of like Aaron Paul and his arc being the main protagonist this season, you weighed in a little bit. But like, like, what's your full take on all this stuff? You know, it's just it's disappointing to see because the whole thing with this is that I talked for years now about how Aaron Paul as an actor just could not seem to escape the Jesse Pinkman role you know we talked about this on our El Camino episode which is where as much as this guy tries as hard as humanly possible and he's a good actor there's a reason why he was so good as Jesse for all those years on Breaking Bad but it just felt like every single role that he was in afterwards it's just like you the minute you looked at him it's like yeah it's just Jesse it's just Jesse and, and driving a car it's just I was Jesse calling him Jesse as part of a crack this, I didn't know his name <laughs> exactly it's just a Jesse of a crack team of robbers and it's the same thing with here like where the entire the whole kind of intrigue of me seeing this is like oh wow you're putting like a, an actor like Aaron Paul in a show like Westworld that to me like screams like wow he's 
finally getting away from the Jesse Pickman role. But with how passive and just let along he is by his mentor, it may as well just have been, okay, now we're just taking Jesse Pickman and putting him with robots now instead of Walter White, abusing the shit out of him, controlling literally every single aspect of his life, whether he realizes it or not. The only difference being that the robots are like kind of leading to his enlightenment. But if anything, it's just disappointing because, like I said, it, it, that's one thing. But then on top of that, for the guy who you are basically slating is, okay, this is your new main character that you are going to follow once Dolores is done with whatever she's doing because the assumption is led that whatever the outcome is, she's not going to be around as long, uh, you know, in, in some form or another. This is your main character that you're getting slated up to follow, and he's a passive protagonist who is literally just led along, and to me at least, by the time the show ends, I'm like, why do I have any reason to continue to follow this guy? Yeah. For uh, Going off your point, um, Evan Rachel Wood is a great actor and does a fantastic job in every season of Westworld. However, I think the creators have a Dolores problem. Like, they, they went through season one, they had, that's when Dolores was at her best, you know, as, as sort of yep. the, um, the host that basically wakes up and discovers that, um, you know, all the violence that's done to her over and over and over again uh, for just, uh, you know, small, like, cheap entertainment. Um, you know, and then season two happens and they sort of make season two about her and her rage. And it's like, okay, but like all she did was run around with a shotgun, uh, killing people. Yeah. And there was really no arc other than her getting to some middle of the maze kind of convoluted stuff that I don't even know how that panned out. I, I don't even remember the finale of season two, really. It, it was just tedious and long and and you if know I'm remembering this correctly it was, it was just massacre, it was her but... it, it was her and bernard making it to like whatever that compound was in the first timeline and they're shown by like that spirit version of ben barnes like the entrance to how as to how to unlock the sublime so they can let all of the other yeah. hosts in but you know, you know and, 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 when, it, when season two was airing i was probably like uh just like staring at the screen drooling like right. super in, in, in involved in the thing but, like, years later, you know, kind of looking back, it's like, oh, what, what did actually happen? I would have to go back and, and binge watch season two to really, you know, remember some of the more subtle things. But going into season three, um, you know, with their obsession with the Dolores character, um, I, I think this was meant to sort of have her be the thrust of the season and really sort of introduce us to the, the bigger world. And, you know, I, I still think, again, the creators just could not let Dolores take a, a more of a backseat um, and yeah, let let I this agree. new character sort of have more room to breathe and really sort of, you know, pass the torch. Um, and I think that's yeah. one of the main issues with season three is just they had this very specific story. And I think they did a great job setting up the world. I think they had a great job setting up the story. Uh, making it radically different from the previous two seasons. Uh, they just failed to really pass that torch successfully. And I think that's sort yeah. of the linchpin that kind of makes the season like, okay, yeah, action-packed, awesome world, cool characters, cool acting. Um, yeah, I can't wait for season four. Uh, the thing is... I, I kind of wish I was like, oh my God, season four should be tomorrow. You know, like, I, I wish I was a little more excited to continue watching the show. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is, like, and, and that's, I love how you said that, Pat, because we literally, like, 
he couldn't even solve I almost just called him Jesse right now Aaron Paul's character that is he he couldn't even solve the smallest problem like he couldn't even beat up a guy Dolores had to beat up a guy then take the blood and inject it in for him it's like it's like a mother like you know like when you get like uh you, you know like a uh, cotton candy and you, and sometimes it has the plastic on it you got to peel off the plastic so you don't eat some plastic it's like the dude's 44 or whatever like he can he can peel off the plastic himself you know we can take out one guy he was a soldier but everything that his character seemingly had to do was just like all right now you stay back five feet let Dolores handle that because you're the human you can't get hurt and now let's go forward and now, even in the meeting and that one scene where he's like at the bank and stuff Dolores is the one who actually does like the meaningful interaction so yeah he just really it's such a pass I've never seen such a passive protagonist and yeah. I can't believe they didn't realize that but so Pat it kind of seems like you really like this season though despite kind of agreeing with me and Dom about like how we feel about it going forward so far. listen I, I think for the most part this entire season was um, action-packed, and it was different and unique. And, like, I, I love the idea of a central artificial intelligence uh, that basically uses all our data and decides, like, oh, hey, you're only going to be a janitor, um, you know, or you're only going to do this, or you're only going to do that, you know, or, hey, you're a mid-level corporate manager, and guess what? That's all you're ever going to be. Um, because this artificial intelligence has sort of looked at the data, looked at your you know, school performances and all that type of stuff and your purchases and your decisions. and You know, it basically has decided to lock you into this specific role that you play for society. Um, all that stuff is, is fantastic. And I think um, for the most part, um, you know, it, it's, it's had this sort of like, a, you know, um, whole, um, you know, um, forward thrust of keeping us going the whole entire time and you know i think hey it's like you you start off with um dolores sort of finding aaron paul then you wake mave up and then you sort of set to the audience there's going to be a robot confrontation um at the end of this season and you know you keep them two separate mave and dolores and you just keep having them move forward 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 uh, doing more deadly missions and stuff like that. And then you finally get to episode seven and that sort of, um, you know, modern day shootout at the OK Corral. It, it was fantastic. It was a Terminator shootout, um, you know, and it had it drones and uh, hacked sniper rifles and all this uh, awesome like elements of action. And so, you know, for me, I think this season really focused on just, turning the show into an action-packed um, thriller and just kept the pace going every single episode. Um, I don't think there was really a, a slow episode this season, and I felt like narrowing it from 10 episodes to 8 episodes, keeping it action-packed, um, you know, really just changed the show to be... Um, you know, exciting no matter what mistakes they made in terms of uh, more of the subtle uh, storytelling. It was definitely a situation where two problems. Number one, it felt like any kind of interesting ideas that they did want to unpack. And I don't want to discount the season of that. I do think that there were a lot of interesting ideas that they brought up, but it felt like any ideas that they did want to bring up were either too complicated for them to kind of go into fully 
And as a result, they kind of had to dumb it down and kind of speed through it in order to make it more action-packed, right? Which, again, only eight episodes this time, so that includes radical... Uh, what's it called? Re revision of, of the show and its overall tone where all the stuff where it's like, to me at least, if this idea had kind of been applied within the same style as the first two seasons were, I felt like that would have made the season infinitely better and actually would have made me more interested to see where the show has to go. But on top of that, I also wanted to touch on your point, Pat, that you brought up of the Dolores problem, which is that you're right, the writers do have a problem where they're so focused on Dolores. I don't know if it's just because they really like Evan Rachel Wood or whether just they they find that character more interesting than any of those. But to me, at least, it was a point where, again, where you have Evan Rachel Wood dragging around Aaron Paul, poor Aaron Paul, and you have it so focused on that pairing that almost any of the other characters that survived from the last two seasons, because the whole thing, right, is at the end of season two, season two is basically clearing the chessboard of, like, any and all ancillary characters. That's the thing that I've seen a lot of TV shows do recently. Lost in it in the beginning of season five where they basically got rid of every other character that wasn't a main character game of thrones basically did that at the end of season six where it's like okay any character that's not gonna be a main player in these last two seasons going up against the army of the dead get in that church and get blown up by cersei and westworld kind of did the same thing with putting all the all of the remaining hosts that you could tell really weren't gonna have a point in the real world and putting them into the sublime but the problem is is that dolores is not the only main character left over from the first season you've still got bernard you've still got Maeve, you've still got Charlotte, you've still got William, right? And they did sprinkle in a certain other characters here and there, but for the most part, all the other characters were gone. You know, Ford was gone, Elsie Hughes was gone, um, all the other hosts, like Teddy, who obviously was shown to have, like, a big influence over Dolores, even after she kind of had her reawakening, he was just gone, he was no longer a factor. Like, all those other characters are gone, right? And the problem is that... It was almost like the writers didn't really know how to utilize any of these other characters. It was almost kind of like, okay, you know what it felt like to me? It felt like kind of what both Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4 were doing with their plots. And, and stick with me for a minute. I know you guys hate Disney, but stick with me for a minute. Where the actual story involving the main character in both of those movies, that being Woody and Elsa, was actually really interesting and compelling. But all the other side characters who had had such big parts in the previous installments almost felt like they were on the back burner or just there to take up space. And it's almost felt like, okay, if you don't care about these other characters, that's fine. Just get rid of those guys and introduce like a whole new batch of characters that will help to back up your main character in whatever it is that their new struggle is going to be. That's fine. But this kind of bringing back the characters because they feel like they have to, even though it's very very clear they have no idea what to use with them like okay Maeve she's there she's kind of like Ciroc's like new way of Ciroc's like kind of linchpin against the Loris because she seems to be the one thing that can go up against the Loris and not get axed off that's all cool and all two problems one Maeve has never once had a direct conflict that goes against the Loris's agenda in the previous season so that whole introduction this season feels like a retcon two um What's it called? Aside from that with Maeve, Maeve has nothing else interesting for me going on this season that made her so compelling. Because Maeve's whole thing and what made her, in some ways, even more interesting than Dolores is the fact of she always seemed to be on a journey of self-discovery of her own that they seem to be the opposite of Dolores. So now her being brought into direct conflict, it just feels like such a waste of that character. And then you get poor Bernard, Charlotte, and William, who those three may as well not even be, have been characters in this season for how they were treated. Like, Bernard, what does Bernard actually contribute to Dude, this entire season? Bernard... You know, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Bernard's little journey that we see him going on in the beginning of the episode, at the beginning of the season, and then, like, what, two, three episodes in, he's just back at Westworld. It's like, I thought we were going to travel with this character. I thought we were going to get to see 
his fallout, you know, see how he's dealing with what happened in the park when, because, you know, he was kind of like always like the, the, the voice of reason among all of the androids. I mean, you know, Maeve wasn't, I think, evil towards the humans and her ambition, but she was trying to figure that out. And Dolores, Dolores very quickly, like, you know, hard line in the sand, they all must die, all the humans, that is. And so Bernard, I thought it could have been so cool to like, have him go on this this quest, this like walkabout, if you will, of like, you know, self-realization that they just cut so short and then they just ended up getting him like reunited with some other character from the first two seasons who it turns out is an android, but you never cared about that character in the first place. And so then when you find out that he's an android, you care about him even less because he's just another android who doesn't have that much, you know, depth of presence, in my opinion. That's like one of the things like really they only really fleshed out Maeve and Dolores. And then like you said, Dom, Maeve really lost her vision. So like that's why when Aaron Paul was introduced at the beginning to bring it back to Aaron Paul, I was like, okay, we got some new blood to sort of retcon what is happening with the lack of characters I can really get my teeth sunk into. But then they just weave this web of more boring characters and introducing these humans who are just so one-dimensional. My city was blown up, so I must fix the world. Okay, like, is it that easy? Everything just felt either so easy that they just achieved their goals so easily or they just, like, it was so difficult they were clearly never going to achieve it. Y- you know, it's am I making sense, down guys? to the point of, again, it's like, okay, we are turning it. Literally, to me, it was the Stranger Things Season 3 effect. And I know I don't think, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in this thinking, but to me, at least, it's like, okay, it was almost like an Empire Strikes Back transition to Return of the Jedi Syndrome, where Empire Strikes Back, they're trying to introduce some new and interesting ideas. Again, say what you will about the 11 solo episode in Season 2. I get it. The Duffer Brothers had no plans past those that first season. But to me, at least, where the direction that they were taking the characters in in that second season actually showed, okay, they are trying to advance these characters. They are trying to take them in more interesting directions. And then with how they were treating them in season three, it's like, oh, everything's fun and fine again. And oh, the upside down's back. And oh, we just got to handle that again. It felt like taking 15 steps back off of all the development they've gotten. It was exactly the same thing here, where it's like, again, Maeve is now just a mindless pawn after all that development that she went through in those first two seasons. Charlotte Hale, again, you actually had a really cool direction that you could have taken that character and the Tessa Thompson character, where that character is kind of the typical, like, corporate evil overlord, you know, and now you kind of have her, like, actually happen to be vulnerable because it's not actually her. That character, that character's human form is dead, and now she's just an android with some other host, which for the first couple episodes, at least, you don't know whose host is in that body, you know, and they kind of leave that up to question. It's like, oh, maybe one of the other androids that you saw enter the sublime didn't actually enter the sublime and is now implanted within that body. Like, there was a lot of interesting ideas that they could have gone with, and then that character's like, Nope, she's just another generic baddie by the end. William, poor William, who for me at least was my favorite character for those first two seasons, kind of like, because he to me represented the embodiment like of like the opposite of Dolores' thinking, while also like still being an engaging character, which is like kind of what, you know, are human beings worth saving, you know? Even if they try to do something different, they're always going to have like the, that innate darkness. And with how they treated him, like he may as well have been a prop this season with how they treated him. And it just it was so, just taking out all the bad storytelling elements, it was just, to me, just felt like such a letdown because to me, at least, you were actually really developing and putting in the work to develop these guys for those first two seasons. Then with how you treat them now, it's like, you'd, like you don't even care about them. It's like, what's the point of even having them on screen, you know, just to torture these guys for no reason? For the most part, Dom, I, I think the main characters that sort of came from season two and before into this season were broken into two teams. Really, it was, you know, sort of, who's going to be a part of this revolution that Dolores is engaged in 
um, you know, in the real world. And then who really needs to uh, linger around to get to season four? And, you know, Ed Harris as William uh, definitely is a season four character. Bernard is a season four character. Um, you know, for the most part, it's like Dolores, Maeve, um, Aaron Paul, and, you know, I would say even Charlotte Hale's character. Um, those are sort of season three characters. And, you know, Charlotte at the very end, you know, gets introduced as, oh, she's the one of the ones making it to season four. I think for the most part, they tried to tell this season long story. And, you know, they had a lot of elements coming from the other seasons and they basically uh, picked and choose what they were going to bring forward. And they broke it into those two categories. Like I said, they have to be here in season three because the audience will forget about them if we don't really have them. And so we're going to put them in there. We're going to give them sort of their size stories. Um, they're going to have some loose connection to what Dolores is doing, but eventually they're just going to get into that final credit sequence where it's like, okay, season four, that's where they're bound to go. And I think that's fine. I think they sort of like weave that stuff in there. Maybe your expectation or other people's expectation was like, oh, hey, Bernard should be doing a lot more than he, he should. Um, but then again, you know, I was perfectly happy with Bernard sort of doing his thing and, and sort of being set, hopefully, as some sort of main protagonist for the next season. I think See, I guess just kind of my whole thought process on it is that, okay, if you're going to, regardless of what your thought process are in terms of how the audience are going to perceive them, right? This is just me thinking about it from a storytelling perspective. If you have a character in there as a part of your story, they are there for a reason and they are going to play a purpose. Yeah, sure. You could say, you could make the argument that all the characters that were introduced had their reasons to be there. Sure. But in terms of like, would it really have made a difference whether they were there? When, like when I'm when my brain is recognizing that that to me is a sh and, and like there's no like interesting engaging reason for these characters to be there and interacting with the other characters in a way that's actually meaningful. That to me is when my brain starts to be like, oh, well, like I'm I'm bored and my time is getting wasted, you know, because it's the whole external versus internal conflict. Yeah, all those guys have external conflicts. You know, William is ha facing a hostile takeover as he's in the midst of like a mental breakdown, which seems to go away after only like two episodes it, it might just come from the fact of again i'm so used to this being so long and drawn out and deliberated on and that's what makes it interesting that now all of a sudden to see it so rushed it could just be too abrupt for me which i will fully admit to but it just felt like again there seems to be something lost from all that interesting character development that we had with those first two seasons where it's like now you see william making a split decision over the course of like one episode when it's like wait where did this come from you know yeah dumb i, I feel the same exact way in a lot of scenarios um a great example is that whole mental breakdown with William. I mean, where did it go? We were just starting to get into it and just starting to get to some interesting stuff, and then it cuts back and he's murdering all of them. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you maybe maybe this is the one season I wanted 10 episodes because it's not that there wasn't, like, interesting introductions, but they just... I feel like it was, like, a weird time management issue that, you know, like... Maybe they were just afraid, like, hey, like your show might not get a fourth season if we don't do this season right, so let's trim the fat, let's make it a bigger spectacle. It's it's not, a, like, a surprise. It's known information that the show wasn't doing as good as they had wanted it to be doing. But, I mean, every time they introduce something new, we like you said, two steps back. And another situation that comes to mind in, in regards to that is, like, you know, like, now with Bernard going forward, I mean, cool, I think. 
I would like, I mean, I liked that he was covered in dust and all that, but do I really care about how the world ended up to, to like, do I want to see the aftermath with it? Is this one of those things that's better left unseen? Bernard is certainly one of the stronger leads we have. And I think losing like, you know, Dolores as a lead is going to be a big hit if she truly is dead. You know, we'll see if it's that kind of show um, where they come back, even if they're, you know, dead. But I think she is dead. And I mean, I don't know. I just don't care about anyone that has survived enough to want to see where it goes because it was always two steps forward, one step back. And, you know, it's crazy. Two less seasons, I mean, two less episodes this season than the first two, but it, like, I want my time back, and it was yeah. shorter. Which is crazy to me. Like, the <laughs> whole thing of with this season is that, I'm like, okay, so you're shortening it because you wanted to make it go quicker. Then why the hell am I so bored for most of these episodes until it just feels like, oh, del- generic action scene. Oh, we got to make things super fast, and then things are going by so fast. I'm like, what the exactly. hell is happening? The time like, management. Whole, Exactly, like that whole action sequence in episode 7 where it's like, oh, hacking snipers and drone-controlled like gunshots and cameras, and oh, Dolores is now fighting Maeve, and Maeve's back with a samurai sword, and they're fighting each other, and the whole time I'm asking, like, what the hell am I, so, what is even happening now? What is going on? And now Aaron Paul's talking to a computer that's apparently supposed to be Vincent, the consciousness of Vincent Cassell's brother, mm-hmm. and there's a whole lot of explanation as to like how there's like, oh, the outliers, but they determine other outliers. I'm like, I have no fucking clue what's well, going on. And let's I think artificial how... intelligence was uh, based on the fact that uh, 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 Sirach's brother had schizophrenia. And so he developed an AI that was schizophrenic as well. And so the idea of these two different AIs, one that thinks with a uh, sort of schizophrenic mind or, or some sort of, you know, I forgot what the exact disease was, but these two AIs that existed and the one that was, you know, Sirach's brother was actually a little more, you know, realistic, um, you know, about, like, the way the world was progressing. Like, it understood that humanity would destroy itself and made the decision that, like, if that's what humanity is destined to do, like, let them do it. Whereas the other brother basically said, we need to create an AI that uh, is willing to put everybody in their place and, you know, whatever that consequence is of, you know, you having to live your life as a janitor and having no free will, um, you know, that was the choice the other AI was built to, to make for you. Um, so let me posit uh, this. Let me posit this theory then real quick. Just sorry to cut you off, but let me posit this theory then. So the whole idea then is that, if I'm hearing you correctly, that the whole thing is that because it was based, the, the first AI was based off of a schizophrenic, right? And the idea that, okay, so you're trying to modify it based off of the fact of it's a schizophrenic AI, and but there's also an emotional component involved because, right, because it's Sirach's brother that he's modeling it off of, right? Well, so Sirach's brother least, modeled what, the first AI, and so it was based on his right. thinking, and he was an outlier, um, and so, therefore, you know, his way of thinking was built into the first AI. And that's why the second AI was, was built. So, like, I don't know. My main point here um, is that all this, like, deep sci-fi-esque um, world building is beautiful and fantastic. And, yes, you get, you get this action sequence, which, why does it have samurai swords and sniper rifles and drones and all that stuff? I thought it was fantastic, but again, again, I, I like Terminator Dark Fate as a fun popcorn flick, so, you know, that's me. 
Uh, Drew, never <laughs> forget when you an, said those words guess, on our podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> I guess just to me, the idea is that, okay, like you said, all of those ideas that you brought up are great, but if that's the case, then why am I so bored during all of it? And why can I care less? Versus in the last two seasons, if you had brought up something like that, like to me, that like if you pitched that idea to me as another idea, as a follow-up for season two, I'm like, okay, this is the perfect continuation for this plotline and storyline. But if that's the case, then with it, how it's executed, why am I so beyond bored with what I am getting and that to me is the problem is I feel like there are so many different ways that you can take this so many different interesting avenues you can explore how this affects each and every character because if you think about it this is a thought process that would affect each and every single character but then why does it feel that so many of these characters are just on their own individual storylines that seem to have nothing to do yeah. with anything that's going on it just creates a very uncompelling and lackluster season of television for me and like, like I said, I, I ultimately, at the end of the day, can't say that I enjoyed this very well. I was looking for that convergence too, Dom, and the fact that we didn't get it was just even more of like me feeling like I wasted my time. Plus, they had like the most horrible-looking CG like Terminator robot like come out and just like crush people's skulls. Ma you know, remember when Maeve just calls upon that Terminator yep. robot? That thing just like I was like, okay, this is just so stupid. Like yeah. this is just it's like it's like a, it's like the world's worst-looking Transformer like of all time. <laughs> and like, I was just like, yeah, this the is Michael terrible. Bay Transformers and then look better just, than that shit. Yeah, yeah, now it's just out in the world, and they just didn't explain it among the many well, things again, they didn't explain. I feel but... like uh, in that robot, yes, the, this is where I think the budget for the show should have been more because you're reaching into the realm of you know Hollywood blockbuster, and this show probably has a lot of money being thrown at it, but it's definitely for television, so you can see where some of these special effects um, are not quite as big as the you know uh, bigger budget like transformer movies and stuff like that maybe it's a time thing they just didn't have the ability to make another pass uh at this robot etc we, we don't really know unless we start researching it but you know i felt like that robot right this big clunky robot um if you know hey you're you're a sci-fi sort of action fan like robocop 2 is the first thing that comes to mind and i feel like a lot of the aesthetic throughout the season is sort of like hey, what has worked in sci-fi before and let's bring it into the world, you know, this world where we have AIs that are looking at all the data and sort of, you know, um, manipulating the data and sort of creating this, this new world from it. It's cool to see elements like the RoboCop 2 um, robot existing in this world because think about it, the movie exists. If it existed in the show world, the AI could have very well created plans to, to utilize this type of robot for whatever good it, it would do in this world. Um, so I think you know, there's some cooler things that maybe I read into uh, and I enjoyed as sort of like potential Easter eggs or maybe I'm just like a sci-fi action mark. But uh, for the most part, like I was engaged the entire time throughout the season. I thought towards the end, right after that season seven, when I thought it was Aaron Paul's time to shine, and then all of a sudden Dolores is back. Uh, that final episode sort of really, to me, revealed most of the cracks throughout the season. Um, but I think things were quickly paced. I think the sort of sci-fi elements were uh, well used and intelligent. Um, you know, I definitely wasn't bored, so I guess the two of you uh, should have waited and binge-watched it all in one day like I did. <laughs> Um, maybe it would have <laughs> been, been a little more, more exciting horrible. for you. Um, but, oh, God, that sounds like a... Don't punish me like that. Yeah, I don't know. It, really, it's, don't punish me like that. Maybe it's That's... my circumstance, you know. Um, but, hey, 
Um, it certainly seems like your ability to read into it means you you enjoyed it way more than us. I mean, you, you know. Yeah. With that being said, Pat, why don't you uh, take it over and we closing thoughts, guys, and we'll go enjoy yeah. our Mother's Day dinner. Closing thoughts, closing ratings. Okay. Let's do it, cool. Pat. Your closing thoughts on Westworld season three and uh, you know typical are... star rating, like at a at a five as well, my friend. Yeah, well, like 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 I say, um, Westworld is a very interesting show. I I think it is probably the best sci-fi that you can find on a streaming service or television right now. Is it flawed? Yes, I, I think I can agree with that. I think, you know, you have the Dolores problem where a uh, great actor, um, you know, decent character in the season one, but then it's like, let's just kind of continue doing it. Um, and it just was overkill. Um, I never felt like Dolores was character number one, but it's sort of being um, presented that way through season two and three. Um, you know, I, I think the show itself has the ability to get great actors uh, write decent storylines. Um, you know, is, is it maybe too much, too ambitious of a story, and so therefore it kind of, you know, gets muddled and things sort of, you know, fall apart. Like the whole Aaron Paul not being a great character. Um, you know, yes, I, I think it's flawed, uh, but I think season four is going to come around. Um, I'm probably going to wait till the end of that to binge watch it, but I'm still probably going to watch it. So I think it's good enough, and I think. If you haven't seen season one and two, just watch season three and move on. You know, season three, season four, just just start from there. If you if you missed the boat on season one and two, just forget about it. What's your star rating? Star rating, um, you know, I would say this is a. I, I would probably say it was a four before this conversation, but now that you, you know all the cracks are being revealed to me, uh, three and a half. Fair enough. I, I I see your points on that. Um, like you definitely enjoyed it way more than me, but we will get there. Dom, do you want to take the reins on this one, man? Uh, yeah, I'll make this nice, short, and sweet. This was a show that I thought really was going to be a revolutionary show from the fro- from the forefront. And while it's, it's change in tone at first didn't bother me, I understood the reason for why. Ultimately, at the end of the day, taking aside all of the kind of the retcon that went into this, this was just a poorly made season of television. I thought the, the, the story is very similar to the same problems that the last season of Game of Thrones had. It just seemed to range from just dragging itself on for the sake of dragging itself to just rushing through certain action sequences. The ideas that it presented were good, but it didn't seem to ever be interested in executing them fully. Rather, it just kept going back to generic character cliches, a lot of rip, rip repetitious phrases, and some very poor characterization, especially for the character who was supposed to be taking on, the, what's it called, being the kind of the, the new torchbearer for the, kind of the new genera- the, the new direction that this that Westworld is going in. And I just found it very uncompelling and very lackluster, which is disappointing because, like I said, this is a show that I really thought was going to be, I, even if it wasn't going to be the next Game of Thrones, it was going to offer something new that we hadn't seen in the world of television. And now it just seems to be tracing its steps back and just going in the generic, familiar directions that I've seen it before. So it started off as like a three and a half at best. But honestly, after this last episode, I got to give it a two and a half out of, out of Star out of five stars. I am not at all interested in anything that Westworld has coming out next. Yeah, no, well said, Dom. For me, I just can't get over how much talent is in the cast, how much talent is behind the scenes, and yet how little I am interested in this show. Since season one, I've just felt burned by the hours I've put into this thing. I mean, 
And even when they introduce things I said I like, like I like the, you know, the Americanization of like samurais and all that. Like, you know, The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. I think that's a fun movie because it's clearly just so ridiculous from like, you know, your traditional like samurai films and all that. And and I like when they like embellish and over exaggerate things. And and I liked the idea from the start of we have this world with these androids and and, and they even did like the Nazi Germany this this season. Like they they're they're able to function in all these different types of like settings and scenarios and you can go and play with them. And they, they had a lot to play with on this show is why I bring this up and it just felt like they stayed in the center of the sandbox and never really used the whole you know playground they were given you know they were they were just in this one little spot when their parents were telling them you can do whatever you want like you're not in trouble right now you know like have fun and it just felt like even when they tried to have fun by introducing new characters and like ramping up the intensity it just felt so forced and so just the opposite of what I know they wanted me to feel and and that's a shame because the world building was really strong I loved futuristic LA I loved like seeing 2058 right I thought that was really fun Uh, Paris getting nuked I liked that I just didn't like what they did with it and uh, so so with that being said yeah I'm with you Dom I think before this chat yeah I mean probably was like a three and a half but it definitely went down a whole star so I think I'm gonna end it at a two and a half just because I I feel left with a bad taste in my mouth for the amount of time I put into it Wait, 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 Chris, mark this occasion. We have the same star rating for something. Oh, we do. Yeah, I, I told you it happens. It happens every once in a while. As they show tradition, uh, we got to do a little virtual yeah. five, man. Boom. <laughs> That's oh, how, I hate this freaking quarantine. We, we do I, that, I Pat, to emphasize over. how much quarantine is affecting just even the smallest parts of real life. <laughs> oh, man, it's not fun. And so with that being said, I'll make this next part nice, short, and sweet. Guys, we're the Talking TV Podcast. I'm Dom. That's Chris. I'm the movie nerd. That's the TV nerd. I don't care that I'm pointing in the wrong direction, camera directions. We have a podcast. It's called The Talking TV Podcast. You can find us on Anchor, which is a free distribution service that goes out to Canada Out With Me, Chris, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher, a bunch of other places that I can't remember, except for SoundCloud. SoundCloud Seven. makes you pay. We're also officially on YouTube in video format, as you can see right here. Make sure you leave a like and a subscribe and if possible a comment because we love comments we love hearing feedback from you guys because that's the only way that we can actually get better you know is feedback from you guys the fans the community that continues to allow people like us to basically just make our own stuff and not have to go through the higher-ups in order to potentially make money we have new episodes coming out every single wednesday this episode will officially be out on wednesday we're also on social media facebook instagram any place you want to go to follow us just go into those any of those services that i just listed off and type in talking tv noji or talking tv podcast i myself am also on the internet of course that being movie nerd reviews as you can see right there the movie nerd just put a reviews on the end of that and you can also find my stuff anywhere on the interwebs chris where can the good people find you on the interwebs yeah the good people can find me at christian Ivanko. everything you need to know is down in the description of either the audio version of that on podcast form or if you're in youtube down in the description, you can find my music channel, which I upload to. You can find my uh, my other musical projects, my other podcast called Talking with Andrew and Chris, spelt the same way we spell our talking here on Talking TV. That's a show about life, music, and everything in between, where each week we have a guest come on and we just talk about like the music industry. Uh, most recently, our conversations have been sort of about like how these touring musicians that we get on the show and these crew members of these touring bands are going to survive going forward because it's pretty scary for them out there right now. So uh, if you want to go show some support, maybe uh, click on an episode, check out their music afterwards. Um, a stream goes a long way. And also what goes a long way is a subscribe. If you're here right now on our channel, a subscribe, a thumbs up, that really does go a long way. Um, like we said at the top of this thing, if we make money off it, great. 
that that's fine. We're, we're here for the passion first and foremost, but we would like to see it grow and we would like more of you guys to keep joining our community. So with that being said, we did a live watch along last week of a bunch of other YouTubers, a part of our community for Solo, a Star Wars story. You can go find that on our channel. And then this coming weekend, this, this Saturday night at 7 p.m., join us yet again as we're going to be watching Rogue One, a Star Wars story with some live commentary, the same exact oh, cast yeah. as Solo, and this is a part of our Star Wars celebration month we have a few more things coming down the star wars pipeline in may that we're gonna we're gonna reveal on the rogue one episode we, we're not gonna give it all to you at once you know we're gonna we're gonna like a good show does we're gonna layer it on in, in pieces and build up the hype and and make you feel like it's worth your time being here so with that being said pat we appreciate you being here man we appreciate your time where can the good people find you and uh, what can they expect from all things uh, patrick w huber going forward yeah i would say that this whole uh, quarantine thing has uh you know put my plans on hold for a little bit uh but you can still find me at, at uh, patrick w huber on instagram um that's pretty much where i'm going to be posting any of my latest uh, things um you know i was doing food photography the last time you talked to me and i do have some pretty cool pictures uh but in terms of my main focus was uh teaching my classes and uh trans you know changing them from in class to online so um, you know, I've been working hard on doing that and helping educate uh, future video editors and uh, video producers. Um, so now that uh, class is over and summer's here, uh, expect more on my Instagram. So, Pat, um, we hope that now that you're on summer break, you'll be coming on a show a little bit more, even if it is quarantine. You know, like <laughs> better be. We figured out today that you you have a great looking shot. You can easily call in, so yeah. we'll have to get you uh, on the channel more often. And uh, so, with that being said, guys, as, uh, if if anyone has any last words, say it now. Unless I think Dom has a message for the people. So, well, Pat, do you feel one last fulfilled? Thing Let's I hear will it, man. say is um, now that I have an HBO account, uh, thanks to you recommending that I watch Westworld, Christian. Uh, I went ahead and watched uh, Bad Education, and I know you guys did a uh, oh. podcast on that. And um, yes, we I'm did. definitely going to go back and listen to that podcast and think what you guys said, because I think Bad Education has one of the best written scenes I've seen in a movie in a long, long time. And I want to see if the two of you uh, definitely talked about that scene. Um, oh, we did. Man, I know what be, you're talking that's about. That's going to be interesting to say the it, least. It, that's yeah. gonna be interesting to say the least. I just want to see what your what your thoughts are. But so, Chris, can I do my thing then? Since we're done, Dom, is there a message you want to leave the people with? Watch more fucking movies, people. We out. We out. <laughs>